My name is Rob Heron. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. If you're visiting this morning, welcome. And a special welcome to the Shimkeys. So encouraging to hear from you and to know and believe that we are united in Christ and share and partner in the work you're doing in Uganda. So welcome. We're continuing a series that we've been doing this summer on the kingdom of God and life in the kingdom. And we began by talking about who the king is, is Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God is exactly this. It's the rule and reign of God in Jesus Christ in his world. It's the rule and reign of God. And we've been looking the past couple weeks at, even practically, what does it mean to live in the kingdom? And this week, I want to show us, we're going to open up God's word to see that living in the kingdom has something to do with poverty. I've entitled this sermon, The Beauty of Poverty, and it should raise eyebrows. The beauty of poverty, really. I don't know all of your stories, if you've ever experienced poverty, or if you've seen poverty. In its extremities, poverty is far from beautiful, and is difficult. But Jesus tells us there is a kind of poverty that is beautiful, and he invites us into. And he is our king. Whatever he calls us to, that life is beautiful. So if you would read with me, we have one verse this morning from the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3. Jesus says here, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you invite us into kingdom life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would unveil our hearts to see the true beauty of life in your kingdom. And I pray that we would follow Lord Jesus. I pray that we would follow him into his work in this world, true kingdom, true flourishing life. We ask this in your name. Amen. I think the appropriate phrase is, spoiler alert, if you have not seen the film La La Land, it's a film that came out last year, and it's a film starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, this is yet another Ryan Gosling reference, if you've heard me preach recently, big fan. In this film, it depicts the story of two young dreamers living in Los Angeles, and they meet through some romantic chance meet-cute And they begin to fall in love with one another. But both of them are pursuing dreams. Separate dreams, but they're pursuing and encouraging one another in those dreams. But as the film progresses, those individual personal dreams pull them apart from one another. And at the end of the film, they are brought back together for one more chance romantic encounter. And when they see one another, they make eye contact after being away from one another for a couple of years, and suddenly the film implies that they share this vision through their mind, romantic connection. They share this vision of what life would have looked like if they had stayed together. And this vision is basically the classic Hollywood ending. And the ending, if all the things had worked out, was that they would get all of their dreams. They would be rich in dream fulfillment, rich in self-fulfillment. Not only would they get their personal dreams, but their dreams together would be realized. 
And the film and this vision, it, it ends and it's bittersweet because they have to leave. And their dream of being together is not realized. It's not fulfilled. And the film very wisely, I think, points out that no one gets everything they want. But La La Land, this film, also presents this common view of life in its fullness. Life in its fullness is self-fulfillment. Becoming rich in dream fulfillment and getting what you most desperately dream of and long for. Life in its fullness is called in philosophy flourishing life or human flourishment. I'm going to call it flourishing life today. And that is what the Bible calls blessing. And through that lens, you can read what Jesus says here as this. Flourishing are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or flourishing life belongs to the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It seems strange, doesn't it? When compared with this vision given in La La Land. Is flourishing life the life of rich, dream, self-fulfillment? Or is it what Jesus describes? The life of the poor in spirit. If you had your own la-la land kind of moment and you had a vision of what your life would look like in its fullness, flourishing, life the way it's meant to be, what would come to mind? Shaped by so many forces, we so often view flourishing life as self-fulfillment. Either being able to attain what the world tells you is a worthwhile, complete, whole life when it comes to your wealth, your accomplishments, your relationships, or it's simply getting what you want, being rich in self-fulfillment, in your dream fulfillment. And if we see flourishing life this way as self-fulfillment, we will read Jesus' words here either as so unrealistic that it's optional. I'm so glad that Jesus did this for me, that he was poor in spirit, because I can't do that. Because that would kill me. wouldn't give life. So it's either optional, or we read it as some kind of bargain. We hear Jesus saying, deny flourishing life now. I know you want to be happy, but deny that now. And after you die, I'll give you something that's better. Even though maybe that's hard to trust. Let's just deny it now and you'll get it later. Something like that. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying is far more amazing than that. Because what he's saying is that flourishing life is the life of being poor in the spirit. That's the flourishing life. And what he's giving here is an invitation into flourishing life in his kingdom by becoming poor in spirit. Kingdom life is flourishing life. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is this. That because God's kingdom is flourishing life, we must become poor in spirit. Because God's kingdom is flourishing life, we must become poor in spirit. A couple questions come up. How do we become poor in spirit? And why is it or how is it that being poor in spirit instead of being rich in self-fulfillment 
The poor in spirit life is the flourishing life. And I want to talk about two things from this one verse. Now, that might seem like a stretch, but this verse here, it shows us two parts of being poor in spirit that will answer those questions. That being poor in spirit involves and means emptying, and it means it involves filling. So one, emptying, and two, filling. So first, being poor in spirit means emptying. Jesus says here, blessed are the poor in spirit. And if that's an invitation into being poor in spirit, what does it mean to be poor in the spirit? A teacher named Martin Lloyd-Jones gives a very helpful definition. He says, being poor in spirit means growing in our awareness of our utter nothingness face-to-face with God. Growing in our awareness of our utter nothingness before God. That those who are poor in spirit are growing in their recognition that they are completely, utterly poor before God. That all they have comes from God by his grace. All that they are is by God's grace. This is what Isaiah feels in Isaiah 6 when he comes into God's presence and he basically is undone and he says, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He's growing in awareness of his utter nothingness. That no longer does he have rights or what he deserves. He sees that I am utterly poor before a holy and perfect king. And what this shows us, this coming undone, is that being poor in the spirit is fundamentally a heart posture. It's fundamentally a heart posture. And so I would invite you, if you're clenching your fist right now, just waiting for me to make some kind of hard and fast application about how much money you should give to Redeemer, you can unclench. Because what Jesus is saying here drives to the heart, which means that this is relevant for all of you in here. No matter how much money you have, or how much money you give or don't give. And this heart posture, what it looks like is emptying, being emptied of self-fulfillment as our aim in life. It looks like being emptied of that as our aim in life. That as we grow in our awareness of our utter nothingness before God, we recognize that we have nothing by rights. We have nothing by rights, but by his grace only. And as we grow in our awareness of our utter nothingness before God, we also grow in awareness that this world around us, the kingdom of this present age, does not give flourishing life, but it is sinking and fading. That nothing in you and nothing in this world can give you flourishing life, life in its fullness. Because this present age is sinking and it's fading. So you must be emptied of it. I watched this video recently of a man and he's fishing and he must have had a GoPro with him because he's sitting there and he's in a very small boat. It looks almost like a canoe. And suddenly he catches something, the reel starts to wiggle and he gets really excited. And, you know, he's, he's starting to, to move his body back and forth to try to reel it in and pull the fish in. And suddenly this tiny boat starts dipping into the water and it starts carrying water and it begins to sink. And you would think in that moment, what you're wanting this man to do is to let the fish go. Stop clinging to the fish. But amazingly, hilariously, he keeps trying to reel it in. And he keeps 
yanking the reel and pushing his body in different directions. And the boat keeps carrying more and more water until hilariously, slowly, humiliatingly, the boat sinks with him still holding on to the fish. Now, I have to give credit to the man for actually putting this online. I really either need to learn from this man what it means to be more humble, or I need to teach him how to improve his internet credibility. But the point is this. This is such a clear picture of what happens when we cling to our own self-fulfillment scheme or to the things of this world because we think it's going to give us flourishing life. The things we cling on to end up making us sink And collapse with them because this present age is fading. When you hold and you cling to these things, they drag you down with them. What we are called to do is this. You must be emptied of the things of this world. You must be emptied of the things of this world. And what this world offers you, I'll just give you one example. The middle class dream. Many of you, like me, you may not be thinking, what I need to be fulfilled to have a flourishing life is to have a billion dollars. All I need is enough money to have a level of comfort and control that's unassailable. That's all I really need. I mean, all I have to do is look at my Amazon wish list and look at the things that I really think that I need. And then I feel like if I had this, my life would be flourishing. That's the middle class dream, to have comfort and control over our lives. And what it means to be emptied, to stop clinging to that kind of dream, is to hold loosely to the things in this world. To hold loosely to our possessions. And all you need to think about this morning, because I cannot give you a hard and fast rule for how much you should be giving away, but are you giving these things away? Are you giving your money and your time away? Or are you continuously giving things away to buy new things because you think you need a new car, a new refrigerator, and and these things, that, that may be what you need to buy, but how tightly are you holding to the things of this world? This is what this invitation is driving at, is what is your heart clinging to Maybe we need to rethink the framework of what we think that we need. Maybe when we say, I need this or I need that, what we're really saying is, I deserve that. And we need to be emptied of this framework that says that we have rights, that we, have the, that we deserve to have the things of this world. We need to grow in our awareness of our utter emptiness before a holy and perfect God that we owe ourselves to. And you must be emptied not only of the things that this world offers, but you must be emptied of yourself. You must be emptied of pride. There is no place for pride in the presence of God. As our confession of sin and words of assurance showed us, there's no place for that. And if you are like me and you begin to cling to what you think is your intelligence, what I think is my intelligence or my power and influence, What happens to me is I begin to not listen well to others. Or I begin to want to use my power to dominate other people because I think it's really mine. I need to be emptied as I grow in awareness that all that I have, every gift I have, is by God's grace. We must be emptied of ambition, a selfish ambition, 
There is a good kind of ambition that focuses our plans on what God is doing in the world. But when we are ambitious towards life and saying to God, you must do this with my life for me to be fulfilled. You must give me the realization of these dreams, these plans for you to be good. To give me a particular relationship or a particular job. It's a dangerous place to be. And we must be emptied of it as we grow in our awareness of our utter nothingness before a holy and perfect king. So we must be emptied. But secondly, we must be filled. Being poor in the spirit means that we are emptied of our clinging to the things of this world that drag us down with them and that do not actually give you flourishing life, but we also must be filled So here's the question. Who does the filling? Well, we said that when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is that flourishing life belongs to those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So who does the filling? The kingdom of heaven is where God rules and reigns. So only God provides the blessing. Only God gives flourishing life. And what this means is that if you, if I start to think, what I need to do, I need to fix this. So I need to go home, I need to sell all of mine and my wife's possessions, and I need to move us to another place where we can, you know, be more, more poor. I think I would do that in this moment because I am prideful. And I don't really necessarily always want what God wants to provide, the flourishing life he gives There's nothing you can do in your power to empty yourself or to fill yourself with real flourishing life. Only by God's grace does this happen. And what are we filled with? When it says that we are filled with flourishing life that comes from the kingdom of heaven, that that is the blessing that is given to us as we are emptied, that means that this is a life, it's a flourishing life that comes from outside of you. Not only does it come from outside of you, it comes from outside of all things in this world. And that's why it happens simultaneously as you are emptied of your clinging to things of this world, clinging to your own self-fulfillment scheme, because it comes from outside of you and the things of this world. I took, um, and Morgan Cogswell took with me, uh, a group of high school students to St. Louis for a missions trip a few weeks ago. If you're a high school student in here, maybe you went on that trip. And it's possible that you, while you were there, you met a woman named Miss Lovey. Miss Lovey is 87 years old. And when the New City Fellowship Church site in University City in St. Louis was founded, it was started in her dining room. And Miss Lovey, she lives in North St. Louis, which is historically filled with great poverty and violence, especially related and caused by a history of segregation in the city. And if you go to the street Miss Lovey lives on, you will see burned-out building after burned-out building, and police sirens are the background music every day, every week. And there, when you see her house, not much to look at, you see this beautiful garden, verdant, vibrant, flourishing garden there in her front yard planted by many of her friends and neighbors who love Miss Lovey because she has made room in her heart 
and in her house for them. And as you walk into the house, what you find is there's this constant ongoing stream of people coming in and out of the house. And they go in there to look after Miss Lovey as she is getting on with years. And they also go in they, to ask her for things. When a group of our students were in her house, uh, someone walked in and said, hey, Miss Lovey, can I have two potatoes? Miss Lovey said, I have a sack full. Just take everything. Take them all. That's the, the kind of person that she is, by God's grace. You know, when you uh, walk up to her house, what you see is not beautiful. And when you walk in, the aroma is of physical decay for various reasons. But when you walk up into her house, what you find is the aroma of Christ and the presence of something that when I met her, I, the more I talked with her, I realized I really want more of that. It's flourishing life. She's 87 years old, and yet recently, it was only recently, she welcomed two men that are in their 40s to live in her house with her that had previously been homeless and living on the street because they had nowhere else to stay. And she let them live with her, and they treat her and listen to her as if she is their mother, which in many senses she is, because she has made room in her house and in her heart for them. And Miss Lovey is not Jesus. She gets cranky. She jokingly calls herself the boss, which in many ways she is. She is a human being. And yet, when you walk into her house, what you find is possibly the brightest spot in all of North St. Louis, maybe all of St. Louis. It was one of the brightest places filled with flourishing life I think I've ever been. In the midst of decay, in the midst of the aroma of what smells like death, we find the aroma of Christ because she has become, by God's grace, poor in spirit. You see, we are filled with flourishing life to the extent that we become poor in spirit. We are filled with flourishing life to the extent that we are poor in spirit. To what extent have you made room in your heart, in your house, for the rule of God's grace, for the flourishing life that he gives and provides? Has your heart become so cluttered with the things of this world and your own scheme for self-fulfillment that there's not much room left? To what extent are you clinging to the things that are sinking and fading But the mystery of the kingdom and the paradox is this, that as we are emptied, as we are emptied of the things of this world and of ourselves, that we are filled with the spirit of life. That as we are emptied, the spirit of life comes into our lives, into our hearts, makes us alive, transforming us to make us charitable, welcoming, sacrificial, and joyful. It's as we are emptied that we are filled with the life of the Spirit because it is the Spirit himself that empties us of these things. I have to make this note that what flourishing life really looks like is at odds with so many of our expectations. And one of the reasons for that could be because we are clinging to the things of this world. Miss Lovey's life is messy. Her life and her home, it looks dirty. 
And so often we don't want that. We don't want messiness in our lives. That could be why this flourishing life does not meet our expectations, but also I have to admit that much of the expectations we have are grounded in a good desire we have to see life made right. Maybe you're thinking, what good is this flourishing life when another one of my family members has died, when another good friend of mine had another bad scan, when I've lost my job? What good is it? And the first thing I would say lovingly is this, that those things are difficult and painful and not the way that they're meant to be because we are living in the not yet. But there is something far worse than poverty, than suffering, even than death. And that is being pulled away from God's kingdom by the things of this world that are fading and sinking. That is far worse than suffering or death itself. But also, we must cling to God's promises of his kingdom. We must cling to those promises as our expectations are turned upside down. Because God promises you that as you're emptied, you grow in your awareness that everything that you fundamentally need is already yours in Christ. The whole of his kingdom is already yours in Christ given to you. That you are already a son or a daughter of the king and your inheritance in heaven is secure and all the gifts of the spirit and the riches of the spirit are yours. You are already rich. And if you grow in your awareness of the riches that are yours, like Miss Lovey, flourishing life will flow out of you. It will begin to flow out of the abundance of riches that are given to you. And these, this flourishing life is given not so that you can fulfill all of your dreams, but they are given for the sake of the world. That where the poor in the spirit are, the already becomes present in the not yet. The already of God's kingdom becomes present in the not yet, where the poor in the spirit are, like Miss Lovey. That what it would look like for our church to grow in our poverty of spirit, that we will begin to fill our lives, not with comfort and control, but with inconveniences. It's inconvenient to invite people into your home. It's even inconvenient to remain a little bit longer after church so you can meet new people and get to know them and become part of their lives. It's an inconvenience. But we will begin to do that as we grow in true poverty of spirit And we will begin to turn our eyes to the lowest and least in our city. As we grow in an awareness of the riches that are ours in Jesus Christ, we will look to the poor, to the lowest and the least, to dignify them. Why? Because God in his grace looked at you when you and I are utter nothingness apart from him, and he made us an heir. He made us a child, and he gave us everything that we could possibly need. That's what he did for us. And so we will overflow in love for the lowest and the least. We will flourish not only individually, but as a church. We will be a church that astonishes our city by the way that we love one another, by the way that we give to one another, the way that we are honest and humble, and the way that we confess our sins to one another. Because there is no room for pride in the kingdom of God. There is room for those that know their need. 
who know their poverty before God and also know his forgiveness and his mercy. So flourishing in God's kingdom, becoming poor in the spirit means emptying and it means being filled. I had the privilege of going to Camp Dove, which is a nonprofit organization started by Judy Oliver and our congregation. And I went this past Thursday. And this is a camp made and put together for the deaf community in North Georgia. It's an absolutely wonderful experience. And I learned so much. I was so encouraged. And more than anything, I was encouraged by the testimony of a 16-year-old, I believe, young man named uh, Matthew. And Matthew shared that he had come to this camp invited by his cousins, his younger cousins. And Matthew was born hard of hearing, so he uses a hearing aid, and he's able to sign. But he's invited by his cousins, who are part of the deaf community. And Matthew, he shared in his testimony, he said that he came in knowing that he had heard everything that there is to be, be said about the gospel. He had heard it all. And his response had always been, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really need that. I need the fulfillment of what I want in life, of my dreams. And he talked so beautifully about being in a Bible study with people who were communicating with one another through sign language and how in that moment, in that Bible study, he began to hear and see for the first time, truly hear, that he didn't have to put his life together. He didn't have to clean up his act He didn't have to reach the fulfillment of his dreams to really find true flourishing life, but that that is given to those who humble themselves in poverty before the kindness of Jesus. And he said that he felt completely changed. He said, now I feel happy. Because a new kind of life had come into Matthew's heart and transformed him. And the amazing thing is that in this place, with people that were born without the natural ability to hear, he realized how little he heard at all. How little he had understood at all about who God and his kingdom, what it really is all about. It's in that place of those who do not hear naturally that he learned how much they do hear and how much he needed what they have. It's as we become poor in spirit that we grow in the riches of God's kingdom, the riches of flourishing life. And we know this is true because Jesus himself became poor, though he was perfectly rich, he became poor for our sake. And he died the death of a poor criminal. We're told that he endured the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. And what was that joy? His joy was to bring you into flourishing life. So I want to invite you now, receive this flourishing life. Be emptied of the things that drag you away from it and cling to Jesus who fills you with flourishing life now and forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our great king and that you are so kind to us. You invite us into a life of following you that is truly flourishing life. I pray that we would see more and more that we do not need the things of this world and that we must be emptied of them so that we may 
Grow in our awareness of the riches that are ours in you. We ask this in your name. Amen.